ಪಾರ್ಥಯ ಪ್ರತಿಬೋಧಿತಾಯಣೇನ ಸ್ವಯಂ ವ್ಯಾಸೇನ ಗ್ರಸಿತುರಾಣಮುನಿ ಮಧ್ಯೆ ಮಹಾಭಾರತ ಅದ್ವೈತಮೃತವರ್ಷಿಣಿ ಭಗವತಿ ಅಷ್ಟಾಧ್ಯಾಯಿಮನುಸಂದಿ ಭಗವದ್ಗೀತೆ ಭವದ್ವೇಷಿಣಿ ನಮೋಸ್ತು ವ್ಯಾಸ ವಿಶಾಲಬುದ್ಧೆ ಪುಲ್ಲಾರವಿಂದಪತ್ರನೇತ್ರ ಭಾರತೈಲಪೂರ್ಣ ಲಿಜ್ಞಾನಮಯ ಪ್ರದೀಪ ಪ್ರಪನ್ನ ಪಾರಿಜಾತೈಕಪಾಣೇ ಜ್ಞಾನಮುದ್ರಾ ಕೃಷ್ಣಾ ಗೀತಾಮೃತದುಹೆ ನಮಃ ಸರ್ವೋಪನಿಷದೋ ಗಾವೋಪಾಲನಂದನ ಪಾರ್ಥೋವತ್ಸುಧೀರ್ಭೋಕ್ತ ದುಗ್ಧಂಗೀತಾಮೃತ ಮಹದ ವಸುಸುತಂದೇವಂಸಾಣೂರಮರ್ದನ ದೇವಕೀ ಪರಮಂದ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ವಂದೇ ಜಗದ್ಗುರು ಭೀಷ್ಮ್ರೋಣತಟಾಜಯದ್ರಸಜಲ ಧಾರನೀಲೋತ್ಪಲ ಶಲ್ಯಗ್ರಾಹವತಿ ಕೃಪೇಣ ವಹನಿ ಕರ್ಣೇನ ವೇಲಾಕುಲ ಅಶ್ವತ್ಥಾಮ ವಿಕರ್ಣಘೋರಮಕರ ದುರ್ಯೋಧನಾವರ್ತಿ ಸೋತ್ತೀರ್ಣ ಖಲು ಪಾಂಡವೈರಣನದಿ ಕೈವರ್ತಕೇಶವ ಪಾರಾಶರ್ಯವಚಸರೋಜಮಲ ಗೀತಾರ್ಥಗಂಧೋತ್ಕಟ ನಾನಾಖ್ಯಾನಕೇಸರಂ ಹರಿಕಥಾ ಸಂಬೋಧನಾಬೋಧಿ ಲೋಕೆ ಸಜ್ಜನ ಷಟ್ಪದೈರಹರ ಪೇಪೀಯಮನ ಮುದ ಭೂಯಾಕಜಂಕಲಿಮಲ ಪ್ರಧ್ವಂಸಿ ನ್ರೇಯಸ ಕಂಕರೋತಿ ಪಂಗು ಲಂಘಯತೆ ಗಿರಿ ಯತ್ಕೃಪಾತಮಹಂ ವಂದೇ ಪರಮಾನಂದಮಾಧವ ಯಂ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮವರುಣೇಂದ್ರರುದ್ರಮರುತ ಸ್ತುನ್ವಂತಿ ದಿವ್ಯೈಸ್ತವೈ ವೇದೈಸ್ಸಾಂಗಪದಕ್ರಮೋಪನಿಷದೈ ಗಾಯಂತಿ ಯಂ ಸಾಮಗಾಹ್ಯಾನಾವಸ್ಥಿತದ್ಗತೇನ ಮನಸ ಪಶ್ಯಂತಿ ಯೋಗಿ ಯಸ್ಯಾಂತನ್ನುಸುರಸುರಗಣ ದೇವಾಯ ತಸ್ಮೈ ನಮಃ
Yesterday we saw the verse 21 Veda vinashanam nityam yae namajam avyayam kathamsa purushaf pasa kam ghadayati hantikam The earlier verses reveal that Atma is avikriha, is free from modifications. <coughs> it is changeless. And since it is changeless, it cannot undergo such changes as what we call kartratvam, bhaukratvam. So doership, enjoyership, these are also changes or modifications. I think that I am a doer. Just lower the volume a little bit, Srivadas. I take the self to be a doer, to be an enjoyer. So this doer is one who is subject to a constant change depending upon what he does. The enjoyer also is one who is constantly subject to change depending upon what he enjoys. So in order for self to be possessed of doership or enjoyership, it should necessarily be of the nature, changing nature. Otherwise, it cannot be doer or enjoyer. The earlier verse told us, Najayate Mriyateva Kadachit, meaning the self is free from all the modifications, beginning from birth, birth, growth, maturing, decay, death. So these are modifications that any given thing undergoes. All these modifications are denied in the self, meaning the self or the Atma is free from every modification, is changeless. And therefore, Kartrutvam or Bhoktrutvam, the doership or enjoyership cannot be in the self. That's how the wise man knows the self. Veda Vinashinam Nityam Yaenam Ajimavyayam. The one who knows Enam meaning the self, this self, who is unborn, Ajam, Avyayam meaning imperishable, inexhaustible, Nityam, indestructible, Avinashi. Again, changeless and indestructible. So one who knows the self is free from birth, death or any modification. Therefore knows it also as asangha, unconnected, uninvolved in anything, obtaining in its own glory. <coughs> as we said, like the theater lamp, which illumines everything, in the presence of which everything takes place, without which nothing is possible, but which itself does not do anything or does not participate in anything or does not get involved in anything. That means doesn't get affected by anything. Katham sapurusha parsa kam hantikam So some people feel that when you say the Atma is unaffected, looks like it is insensitive or what. So not being affected by the situation perhaps, uh, when we say not affected, it means that the changes which take place enjoy a degree of reality which is what we call mithya. And that's the reason why there is no change or effect on the self. <coughs> like all the changes taking place in the movie do not in any way affect the screen which enjoys a different degree of reality. In the same self or sense also, all the changes take place on the self which is the very platform for change. The very substratum for all the changes is the self. But changes are what we call mithya or unreal and therefore they do not in any way affect the substratum which is the self. Like the snake which has poison in it or whatever it is doesn't in any way affect the rope or that mirage water does not wet even a single grain of sand. 
so also all the various changes taking place. They do not in any way influence or affect the self. It remains ever the same, ever changeless. And therefore, free from this notions of doership and enjoyership. Then which notions bring about this, again further notions, that I am a killer or I am being killed. But then one who knows thus the self as changeless, kasam sapurushah partha kam ghatayati hantikam he partha such a wise person, how can he kill anybody? How can any he make anyone kill? Or how can he perform any action? No can or can make anyone perform the action. He cannot directly do anything, nor can he become cause for any doing. <coughs> this is the result for the uh, result of the knowledge of the self. Which means that the wise man becomes completely free of any kind of a burden. Because as we discussed yesterday, this notions of doership and enjoyerships constantly bring the burden of the sense of guilt and hurt and all the various reactions are on account of these notions I entertain about myself. When one becomes free from these notions, then no further burden in terms of hurt, guilt or whatever it is. And that's how wise man is what we call free, free from all these reactions, free from any kind of an, an effect which the various changes may bring about. <coughs> and therefore, Shankaracharya makes a point here. That's the reason why the one who knows the self as such is also free from all the kartavya, meaning all sense of having to do something. He is free from all obligations, let us say. There is no obligated duty that he is to perform. So this discussion which Shankaracharya brings up again and again, with reference to freedom from duty, has relevance only in the context of the Vedas, where this concept of duty was considered to be an extremely important concept. Because the Mimamsakas, the Karmakandis, the ritualistic people, believed that moksha, the liberation, is of the nature of going to heavens. Heavens is a place where there is immeasurable happiness. So one who reaches heavens is liberated, meaning he is free from all the pains. So becoming free from all the pains and attainment of all the happiness is considered to be moksha or liberation. And they believe that this happiness, one can, one can be happy by being in the heavens. And one can reach heavens only by performance of actions or rituals. And therefore the so-called nitya naimitika karma, meaning the daily and the incidental obligatory duties one must perform. And they insist whether a person is wise or not, these duties must necessarily be performed. This is what they believe. And this was the idea that was very prevalent. This is how also the teaching of Bhagavad Gita was interpreted by some commentators prior to Shankaracharya. And therefore, Shankaracharya wishes to make a point here that the wise man is free from any sense of duty or obligation. That kartavya, something must be done. I must do something. If I don't do something, then some sin will occur. Akarane pratyavaya. So kartavya, the duty is that which you fail to do, then you incur a, a, a sin or you incur what you call a negative result. 
That's what we call duty. For example, it is one's duty to file an income tax return, you know, say at the end of every year. If you fail to do that, you are subject to fine or punishment. So duty is that failing which there is always punishment. This is a concept of duty. <coughs> and therefore the Mimam Sakas or the ritualist Karmakandi say, if you fail to perform your daily and occasional obligatory duties, then you will incur sin which will make you subject to punishment. So says here, Sankaracharya Hetvarsasya Avikrityasya Tulyatvad Vidushaha Sarvakarma Pratashedhaeva Prakaranasaha Abhipretaha Bhagavataha <coughs> The idea is that Lord says here that the self is free from any modification therefore free from the sense of doership and therefore self does not have any duty because it cannot perform action it never performs any actions and therefore it never has any duty and that being the case wise man also does not have any duty meaning if the wise man fails to perform a certain action does not incur any sin or when he performs a certain action does not earn any merit or demerit he is free from merits and demerits punya and papa <coughs> so when this statement is made a question is asked why do you say that the, the wise man being the person who knows the self as actionless as changeless as free from modifications that he becomes free from kartavya or free from duty or free from any obligation why, why is it so? Then the answer is given. We say Atmanaha Avikriyatvam Uktahayas Sarva Karma Asambhava Karana Visheshaha The answer is given that the self is changeless that itself is the reason why the wise man is free from any sense of obligation or duty. So question is you say that the Atma or the self is changeless. Atma is free from any obligation. I mean, Atma is free from any sense of doership, enjoyership, free from any modification. But why do you say that the wise man is free from any action? The self is free from action. Self is actionless. But how do you say that the wise man also is free from action? Because the knower is always different from what is known. For example, the knower of the tree is different from the tree. So I know the tree that is immovable. That doesn't mean that I become immovable or immobile. And so the knower is always different from the known. Atma is the object of knowledge. So wise man knows the self as changeless. Knows the self as actionless. But how does the wise man himself become actionless? This is a question. This is an interesting question. Shankaracharya takes the opportunity usually even when there is a discussion of karma etc. The idea is always to unfold the nature of knowledge. There is not much intention here really of dismissing a certain point of view as much as unfolding the nature of knowledge. So by this question that just because you know the self is changeless, how do you become changeless? You don't become changeless by knowledge of the self who is changeless. Just as you do not become wood by knowing the desk which is wooden. 
Because the knower is always different from the known. And so Shankaracharya says that no, in this case, knower himself is a self. It means this is a particular peculiar knowledge wherein there is no duality between the knower and the known. In rest of the knowledge is the knower is different from the known. However, when it comes to the knowledge of the self, the knower is not different from the known. Vidusha Atmatvad. Because the Vidwan or the wise man himself is a self. Then question is asked. When you say that the wise man knows or say I know the self, who is that I? Who knows the self? There are two categories here. One is a self and non-self. What we call the personality, Dehadi Sanghada. This physio, physical, psycho complex is one. And the self of the Atma is another. There are two entities here. So when we say that there is a wise man or the self know, wise man knows, who is this wise man? Is it this physio, physical, psycho complex which you call the knower? The answer is no. The body cannot be the knower. Even the mind and intellect also, all of them are inert. And the knower must necessarily be a conscious being. And what we call the personality or the upadi is necessarily inert or jada. And therefore, there cannot be knowership in this physical complex. And therefore, the knowership has to be assigned to whom? Only to the self. Because two categories are there, self and the non-self. Non-self is inert. Inert cannot have the knowership. And therefore, when we say that the wise man knows the self, we have to only say that the self knows the self. And therefore, knower also is a self, and known also is a self. That's how you have to say. So if the known is actionless, knower also is actionless, because knower and known both are one alone. That's the reason why wise man knows the self as actionless, free from action. And that is how he becomes free from, even when the action is being performed through this physical complex, the self does not perform any action. In the presence of the self, the actions are being performed. And therefore the wise man knows that in my presence, in the presence of I, all the actions are performed. We said yesterday, Indriyani, Indriyarseshu Vartande, Itidharyan. So what is action is nothing but interaction between the sense organs and the sense objects. So, now Shankaracharya explains, very beautiful explanation here. He says, okay, how do, who is the one who is ignorant, let us say. How can you say that the self is a knower? Doesn't sound right. It's all right. In order to understand who is a knower, let us ask this question. There is an ignorant man. Who is ignorant? You say that, I am ignorant. Of something, ignorant of the self or ignorant of something. Who is ignorant? Yasa buddhyadi ahrutasya shabdadi arsasya avikriyahevasan buddhivurti aviveka vijnanena avidyaya uparabdha atma kalpyade. In fact, the self is called perceiver. 
we say that self is a knower or self is a perceiver or I am the knower, I am the perceiver when we say, what is happening is, in fact the perception takes place at the level of the mind. It is mind or the intellect which actually perceives the various objects. But on account of the non-discrimination between the self and the non-self, I brand myself as a perceiver or a knower. Eva meva atma anatma viveka jnanen buddhi vritya vidya satya rupya eva paramasatha avikraheva atma vidvan uchyate. And similarly also, and therefore I say that I am ignorant. So who is the one who is ignorant? The self alone is ignorant because it is because aviveka or non-discrimination that the self is branded as ignorant. And when the discrimination takes place, the very self is now branded as wise. So who is the who is the one who is wise? The one who is ignorant. And who is ignorant? The body cannot be ignorant. The mind and intellect which are also inert cannot be ignorant. And therefore we have to say that it is the Atma or Self alone who is ignorant. We are presently branding the very Self is ignorant. And subsequently we brand that very Self as wise. Where a Self is neither wise nor ignorant. But when do we call him ignorant? When there is Aviveka. Where is Aviveka? Aviveka between the fact that the perceptions and all activities take place at the level of the, this physical complex. And all those activities are superimposed upon the self. And that is how the self is branded as a knower or a doer. On account of aviveka or non-discrimination. And when the discrimination takes place, then the very self is now branded as, as wise or non-doer or actionless. So understand that as far as self is concerned, it is changeless of the nature of knowledge. And therefore, you cannot really call him ignorant or wise. However, when we say that a person is ignorant or I am ignorant, it is self who is branded as ignorant. And then when I say I am wise, again it is the self who is branded as wise. So ignorant also is a branding upon the self and wise also is a branding upon the self. When do we brand the self as ignorant? When there is aviveka. When do we brand him as wise? When there is viveka or discrimination. <coughs> and therefore, when the vidwan or the wise man knows the self, knows the self as actionless, changeless, and therefore also knows the self as free from all the actions, and therefore free from any duties or any obligations at all. <laughs> and so Shankaracharya makes a point that all the actions that are enjoined the Vedas say, the scriptures say, that as long as man is alive, man must perform these obligatory duties. Who is that person? Even though it is not clearly specified there as to who is addressed here. So, kurvanneve hekarmani jiji vishet shatam samaha. If one desires to live, then one must perform actions for 100 years, meaning throughout the span of life. Who is that one? That one should be understood as ignorant one and not the wise one. From the context. So, whenever actions are enjoined, whenever there is this insistence that action must be performed, the duties must be performed, that insistence is always for an ignorant person and not for the wise man. <coughs> then the question is, then the person asks the question, 
If the actions are enjoined for the ignorant, then knowledge also is enjoined for ignorant. Because knowledge cannot be enjoined to the wise man because already he, is know, he has known it. So if you say that the wise man should know, it will be like grinding the thing that is already ground again. And so, knowledge also is for the ignorant and action also are for ignorant. So what is the distinction that you are making? Then here the distinction is made in this manner that actions are enjoined to the person who takes oneself as karta, ahankarta, ahambhokta. So when you read these Vedas for example and when you study various rituals and pertaining to every ritual there is always a particular result. If you perform a given ritual, you will gain a particular result. Perform this ritual, you get another result. And since a person is interested in the result, therefore he is motivated to perform the action. So, Svarga Kamo Agnishtomena Yajeta, it may be said, one who is desirous of heavens should perform a karma called Agnihostra, Agnishtoma. So, if I am desirous of heavens, I will perform that action. So, who is the person who will be motivated to perform the action? The person who has desires for attainment of different ends. And who will have desires to attain different ends such as wealth and prosperity and heavens and what not? The person who takes the self as incomplete or inadequate. Takes the self as karta, bhokta, doer, enjoyer. So when I take myself to be a doer, an enjoyer, an incomplete being, then alone there will be a desire on my part to perform an action to become complete. And therefore, actions are necessarily enjoined for all those who are ignorant and those who take, therefore take themselves to be doers, enjoyers, incomplete. And therefore, there is a desire to become complete. Whereas, for the one who comes to know the self as devoid of doership or enjoyership, for that person there cannot be any action at because action I also know the self as one without a second. An action always requires a duality. One who knows the duality to be mitya, therefore he cannot be there is no enjoyment of action for this person. <coughs> and that is how the point that is made here is that in the Vedas as well as in Bhagavad Gita we find there are two adhikaris who are essentially two kinds of people who are addressed here by Lord Krishna. One is a set of people who need to perform actions and other other set of people who have the fitness for what we call the knowledge. Those who to perform actions are called yogis and those who are pursuing knowledge are called Sankhyaha or Sannyasis. So there are two lifestyles that are essentially being uh, referred to in Bhagavad Gita. The lifestyle of what we call karma or activity and other lifestyle that we call nivrutti or renunciation. So generally speaking, knowledge is pursued by those who are renunciates and action is performed by those who are active. <coughs> And why ideally is knowledge pursued by those who are renunciates? Because knowledge can be pursued only in a gurukulam, you see. That means when you are at the feet of the teacher. That is the ideal and that's the only format of pursuing the knowledge. And it is understood 
that when you go to the teacher, teacher is always away, usually. And therefore, a person leaves home and goes there. And that is why he gives up all the ties and then goes to the teacher. So giving up all the ties, that alone is called renunciation. All the ties means all the attachments, all the claims, all the demands, and therefore all the obligations. Everything is given up. And we will have opportunity to discuss that. Renunciation is nothing but giving up one's demands. If I have no demand and no claim, then I have no duty also. Duty or responsibility is for the one who has wants and claims. The person who has no want and no claim, that person also has no duty or any obligation. So therefore the person who does not make any demands from the society, the family, doesn't have any claim upon the society, doesn't want anything from them, well, he can also give up his sense of duty or responsibility or obligation to the society. And then, being free from these ideas of obligation, address the self, address himself or herself for the pursuit of knowledge. The idea is that pursuit of knowledge requires a certain a mind which is free. Free from guilt. Suppose I have certain duties to perform, and if I fail to perform, there is a sense of guilt. Even when you attend the class, suppose you are doing something and you stop doing that and then come to the class. Then perhaps you may feel bad inside, you know, that I should have completed that and I came here. So when you are doing that, then you feel that you are missing class. When you are in the class, you feel that you are missing what you should have been doing. So this kind of conflict arises when there are these demands or responsibilities. That's the reason why a lifestyle wherein one is free from any responsibilities is, is accepted by the Vedas. And this is called Vividasha Sanyasa, Sanyasa renunciation taken for the sake of pursuit of knowledge. And therefore, Bhagavan Narayana Sankhyan Vidushaha Avidushaha Chakarvinaha Pravibhajya Dvainishthe Grahayati Jnana Yogena Sankhyanam Karma Yogena Yoginam and thus in the third chapter, Lord Krishna makes a clear distinction that karma or the action is enjoined for those who are yogis, meaning those who are active people, those who still have certain sense of duty in them. There are still certain demands, there are still certain needs and, and likes and dislikes which need to be resolved. For them, action is enjoined in order to resolve those things and those who largely resolve them, for them, the renunciation and the pursuit of knowledge, that is what is enjoined. And this is the kind of division that Bhagavad Gita has. So in the beginning itself it was discussed that Dvividhohi Vedokto Dharma Pravrti Lakshanaha Nivrti Lakshanascha That is Veda, the Dharma that is enjoined in the Veda is twofold, one involving engagement or activity, other one of the nature of disengagement or renunciation. <coughs> okay. <coughs> then, an interesting question was asked here. Tatra kechit pannitam manyaha vadanti janmadi shadbhava kriya rahitaha avikriya akartaya kahyaham atma yadi 
न कस्यचित ज्ञानम उत्पद्यते यस्मिन् सति सर्वकर्म संन्यासः उपदिश्यते समवन सेज दैट दिस सेल्फ एज सच कैन नॉट रियली बी नोन द सेल्फ ऑफ द आत्मा हु इज फ्री फ्रॉम ऑल मॉडिफिकेशंस हु इज एक्शनलेस हु इज वन विदाउट अ सेकंड इन फैक्ट दिस सेल्फ कैन नॉट बी नोन बिकॉज़ ही इज इट इज ही इज बियॉन्ड द माइंड he cannot be it is beyond the reach of the words and the mind speech in the mind and therefore such a self cannot be known even if we accept that there is atma or the self who is avikriya free from modifications who is a karta actionless who is ek hai one even if we accept that self is point is no one can ever know the self self this self cannot become an object of knowledge what can become an object of knowledge anything that can be objectified by the sense organs can be known or whatever can be objectified by the mind that can be known but then whatever can be objectified by the sense organs of the mind is necessarily going to be limited and therefore subject to modifications so what mind can objectify is going to be limited in time in place and therefore subject to modification what sense organs can modify is going to be even further limited so the self of the atma who is devoid of all limitations who is actionless who is one without a second cannot be objectified by the mind and therefore no one can ever know the self and since no one can know the self the question of renunciation you said that renunciation is for those who know the self we say that all right we accept it except that there cannot be no of the self at all because this self cannot be known by the mind and therefore there is no question of any renunciates so yasmin sadi sarva karma sanyasah upadishyade where is the knower of the self and when there is no knower of the self where is the question of enjoying sarva karma sanyas or renunciation of all the duties where is the question then answer is given it says no you cannot say that tentatively it is given first So you cannot say that atma or the self cannot be known because otherwise the scriptures would not waste all their effort na jayate mriyate va kadachit what would the need in the part of the scriptures to elaborately unfold the self if the self is not knowable brahman or the atma if it could not be known then what is the need of the scriptures only scriptures are telling you something and saying that well you cannot know that <coughs> in which case the scriptures will become just redundant because then scriptures are discussing a subject matter which is beyond the scope of knowledge in which case it just becomes an academic knowledge that there is a self or brahman which is satyam gyanam anantam brahman it is there some place it cannot be when the scriptures are teaching us the reason it must be that it must be knowable otherwise nobody will teach <coughs> and so how how i do say there are many things that the scriptures teaches like dharma dharma means uh, like what is order in the universe what is right and what is wrong what is merit and what is demerit all of these things are not actually perceptible or within this scope of the mind and still the scriptures teach us and we know them then why not we know the self also then he answers 
karana agocharatvat because we just told you that the self of the atma is beyond the perception of the mind and beyond the scope of the mind and therefore the self cannot be known then shankarajas says na manasaeva manasevanu drashtavyam nehananasti kinchana says not that the self cannot be known by the mind it can be known by the mind there are two kinds of statements we find in the upanishad in one place this upanishad says yato vacho nivartante aprapya manasasah that from where the speech where the words as well as the mind they return without reaching meaning thereby that brahman or the self is beyond the words and beyond the mind and then again upanishad also says manasaeva anudrashtavyam that it is by the mind that one should know the self so in one place upanishad says the self cannot be known by the mind in another place upanishad says that the self can be known by the mind does it mean that the upanishad contradicts itself not really what is meant is that by certain kind of mind the self cannot be known but by certain kind of mind the self can be known by mind that is extrovert which is stifled with dislikes and dislikes extrovert doesn't have that subtlety doesn't have that concentration by that mind self cannot be known esha sarveshu bhuteshu godhotmana prakashate says upanishad the self who is hidden in all the living beings is not known normally not known drushyate tu agriya buddhya sukshmaya sukshmadarshi bihi but then by those who are sukshmadarshi those who have made their mind subtle and sophisticated enough as well as made it single pointed by them definitely the self is known so atma even though it is beyond perception even though it cannot be objectified it can still be known there is no rule here that what can be objectified alone can become the object of knowledge even though the self is cannot be objectified like a desk or a book can be objectified and still it can be known as the very subject this was the theme of the, the discussion in kerma upanishad shastra acharya upadesha shabdamadi samskritam manah atmadarshane karanam that mind which has been very well prepared and very well matured by shastra acharya upadesha by the teaching of the teachers based on the scriptures shama dama so one who has cultivated and trained the mind educated the mind prepared the mind by such spiritual practices as we discussed in uttatva boda shama meaning mastery over the mind making the mind free from likes and dislikes free from reactions dama a mind which is well organized meaning that which enjoy a a degree of mastery over one's own actions <coughs> and the sense organ level of sense organs uparama the mind that is abiding titiksha that enjoy that forbearance shraddha which has the trust or the faith in the scriptures and the teacher samadhanam that enjoys a single pointedness mind that has been prepared in this manner that mind is a fit instrument for the knowledge of the self 
not as something as an object, as the very self. So such a mind can know the self. And therefore, it is not that the self, as discussed in Bhagavad Gita and elsewhere in Upanishad, not that it cannot be known, it can very well be known by those who have the fitness or who have the right preparations. <coughs> And when the knowledge takes place, definitely it dispels the darkness of ignorance. <clears throat> and that's why, keeping this in mind, Lord Krishna said here in this verse, that one who knows the self, meaning self is knowable. Which self? That which is actionless, changeless, one without a second. One who knows the self becomes free from the notions of doership and enjoyership. And therefore, becomes free from any sense doership. Therefore, kartavya, the sense of duty, becomes free from the burden of action. Okay. Taking the occasion of this verse, Shankaracharya here took the opportunity and discussed a few things also related to the verse in terms of how we can see in this verse that the Lord intends that the wise man is free from all the actions and therefore free from the duties and therefore he is sannyasi or renunciate in a primary sense. As we said yesterday, renunciation in primary sense is the knowledge of the self. Self is renunciate because changeless, free from modification, unconnected, unrelated, unaffected, ever pure ever full and ever complete and therefore renunciate in the primary sense. And therefore the wise man who is a knower of the self is a renunciate in the primary sense. In secondary sense the renunciate is the one who is pursuing the knowledge of the self. In a secondary sense is renunciate. In primary sense the renunciate is the one who knows the self as actionless. <coughs> So this point was made and therefore he is free from any duties and therefore sannyasa or renunciation is, is proper for him. So therefore there are two lifestyles, lifestyle of yoga and sankhya. So that point has been discussed. Now prakrutam tu vakshyamaha. We come back to the old discussion. What is the current discussion? Tatra atmanaha avinashitvam pratignatam. What is the subject matter in the discussion? Atma is avinashi. That the self is non-destructible or free from birth, death and all the changes. How is the self free from change? That tatkimiva idi uchyade. An introduction of verse 22. Shankarajara says that verse 22 gives us an illustration as to how the self is changeless or self is indestructible. <coughs> And this is a verse which is very famous in India. Vasamsi jirnani asavihaya navani grinhati naroparani tatha sharirani vihaya jirnani anyani sanyati navani dehi. Yatha naraha jirnani vasamsi vihaya. Just as a man, vihaya discarding jirnani vasamsi, just as a man discards the old, worn out clothes. Aparani Navani Grunadi and he takes up new clothes. 
is what one does every day. Every day one discards the old clothes or a few times a year we discard what we call the worn out clothes and we take up new clothes. Tatha in the same manner Sharirani vihaya jirnani anyani sanyati navani dehi Tatha in the same manner dehi or the embodied self jirnani sharirani vihaya discarding the worn out bodies worn out only in the sense of those of which the prarabdha karma is exhausted sometimes the self even discards what we call young body see when they read this verse the self discards the worn out bodies and takes up new bodies just as a man discards worn out clothes or garments and takes up new garments similarly also the self discards the worn out bodies and takes up new bodies they always ask the question Swamiji but we find many people who are young they also die their body is not worn out at all how do you say the self only discards worn out bodies but worn out is a man that is worn out somebody may use a car for 17 years and then alone it is worn out for that person in India people use cars for 25 and 30 years you know when everything except horn makes noise, you know, then they discard that car. That's what they do, you know. So in this car, everything makes noise except horn, you see. So that is their definition of worn out. While in United States, in, in 1991, you can find a 91 model in the junkyard. It's quite possible, you know. And so in six months, for some people, the car is old. So old and new are only a relative concept. And so... When some person discards what appears to a young body, perhaps that body has become old as far as the self is concerned. Here, old means when the prarabdha gets exhausted. The reason why the birth is taken is to exhaust prarabdha. The prarabdha karma meaning whatever is the destiny. When that is exhausted, then the body drops off. Anyway, that is not much the intention here. Here, Lord gives an illustration as to how the person who wears the clothes remains the same, changeless, regardless of the fact that the clothes keep on changing. The clothes get worn out and the new clothes are worn. But when the clothes are worn out, the person doesn't get worn out. When the clothes are new, the person is not new. And all the changes take place at the level of clothes or the garments. And the one who wears the garments remains changeless. And similarly also, all the changes take place at the level of bodies, which are given up and again taken up. But the self, who is comparable to one who, is, who wears this, the wearer of the clothes, that self remains changeless. So changes taking place at the level of the body do not affect the self. Just as changes taking place in the clothes of the garments do not affect the person who wears the garments, Similarly also, the changes taking place in the body does not affect the self. Just as by discarding old garments and taking up new garments, this person who discards and takes up doesn't undergo any change. And so also by discarding the old body and taking up the new body, the self does not undergo any change. So this verse 22, 
is to show that the self is changeless. There is an illustration here. Kasmat avikriyaheva. How do you say that self is ever changeless, ever free from modification? The reason is given in the verse 23. Again, there are very famous verse. Nainam chinnanti shastrani, nainam dhati pavagaha, na chainam kledeyantyabaha, na shoshayati marudaha. Ayam shastrani na chinnanti. Shastrani means weapons. The self cannot be cleaved by weapons. Nainam dhati pavagaha. The self cannot be burned by the fire. Nachainam kledeyanti apaha. The self cannot be wetted or destroyed by water. Nashoshayati marudaha. No, the self can be dried by the wind or the air. So these elements, earth, fire, water and air, these are four elements which constantly bring about the process of destruction. From earth alone we have all these metals. And from metals we make various weapons and various arms, such as sword and arrows and things like that. And thus the sword cuts something, can kill somebody. And that's how it can bring about destruction. By X we can cut us under a tree. That's how X brings about destruction. So element earth in the form of an X brings about destruction. Element earth in the form of a sword brings about destruction. Element earth in the form of a bullet or a bomb or whatever. It's nothing but the element earth that brings about destruction. So earth can bring about destruction. But then that earth or anything made of earth cannot destroy the self. That's the idea. Enam shastrani na chinnanti The weapons do not cleave the self. Cannot cut asunder the self. Nainam dahati pavakaha Another element that brings about destruction is fire. Fire brings about destruction by burning things. The body can be burned, alright? Fire can burn the earth. Fire can dry up the water. Fire can bring about destruction in other elements. But then self cannot be destroyed by fire. Self is not subject to being burned or destroyed by fire. Nachayanam Kledayanti apaha. Water also can destroy things. If something is left in water, like a trunk of tree, or in the body is just left in the water, in course of time that water will make it wet, the thing will start rotting and it will disintegrate. So because of the effect of water, an object can get rotten and then ultimately get disintegrated. So what can get disintegrated is that which is an assembly of a number of parts. So that which is made of number of parts or that which possesses certain qualities that can be disintegrated or rotted by by water. So water also brings about what we call a slow destruction. It wears out the earth, it wears out mountains and it also brings about disintegration and subsequent destruction of all those things which fall in the water. Avayava vishlesha apadane All the avayavas, the parts are all disintegrated by water. But that water also 
cannot do anything to the self. Nasoshayati marutaha. The air also destroys. By abrasion the air destroys or the air constantly evaporates water, absorbs moisture, dries up thing. So when a thing contains moisture and when that moisture is removed, then slowly that thing also becomes dried up and disintegrated. And thus air also brings about destruction by absorption of moisture. <coughs> but even that air cannot destroy the self. The air of the wind does not destroy the self, doesn't dry up the self. Meaning self is, doesn't have any moisture, doesn't have any parts, doesn't have any attributes at all. When a thing has attributes, or when it has qualities, or when it consists of different parts, then alone it is subject to change or destruction. This verse says that Atma or the Self is Nirvayavaha, He is partless. And then also attributeless, free from any qualities. If something is red, blue, green, well, the color ultimately will fade away. Something is big, it can become small. Something is small, can become yet smaller. So wherever there is any boundary, any attribute, any quality, then that object always becomes subject to change or modification in course of time. Atma is devoid of all qualities, devoid of all attributes, devoid of any parts. It is not an assembly, it is partless, attributeless, qualityless, and therefore not subject to effect of any of the four elements. And therefore, these four elements do not have effect upon the self. <coughs> and so, the sword can destroy what? It can destroy the body, not the self. The fire can burn what? The body. The water also can disintegrate what? The body. The air can also dry up what? The body. But the self is not the body. And therefore, it cannot be. The question was, that if you say that the self is within the body or is an embodied self, then at the restriction of body, doesn't the self get destroyed? says, no, self is not embodied in the sense of a, 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 a fetus in the womb of the mother. It happens. If there is a fetus in the womb, then if the person, mother dies, perhaps the fetus also would die. It is not that the atma or the self is in the body in that sense. It is like the space within a part. When you can destroy the part, you cannot destroy the space. And similarly also, by destruction of the body, the self doesn't get destroyed. <coughs> All of these are nothing but explanation of essentially the same idea that the Atma or the self is partless, changeless, free from modifications. All of these verses essentially talk about the same thing. Yatah evam tasmat. This being the case, therefore, verse 24 says, I am achedya, that which cannot be cleaved or cannot be cut asunder. So since the Atma is achedya, cannot be cut asunder, therefore weapons cannot cut it. Since the self is is beyond, I mean, cannot be burned, therefore fire does not have an effect. Akledya, since it cannot be wetted, therefore water cannot affect it. 
Since it cannot be dried up, therefore the air does not have any effect on it. Either way you can see. Since the, the weapons cannot cleave, therefore it is achedya hai. Or achedya hai, therefore nainam chinnanti shastrani. Either way you can look at it. Yasmat anyun jina sahetu ni bhutani namatmanam nasayetum nautsahande tasman nitya hai. And since the, the elements which are normally known to destroy, since none of these elements have any effect upon the self, therefore self is nitya hai, is indestructible. Changeless. <coughs> Nityatvat Sarvagata hai. Since Atma is Nitya hai, changeless or eternal, therefore Sarvagata hai. He is all pervasive. So that which is indestructible necessarily has to be all pervasive. It's interesting. Because anything that is confined to a particular shape, a particular place, anything that has a form, is necessarily subject to change and modification. So that which is a form is limited in space. And that which is limited in space is also limited in time. Because when you have a form, that form is something that must be created, brought about. And therefore, it must be limited in time also because it is a creation. So what is limited in space also is limited in time. And therefore, anything that is a form, is necessarily going to someday perish. We say that Atma is imperishable, indestructible. That shows that it cannot be limited in space also. Indestructible meaning it is not limited in time. And it can be limit, not limited in time only if it is also not limited in space. Nityatvat Sarvagata Since it is not limited by time, therefore also it is not limited by space. Meaning, it is all pervasive. Sarvagatatvat <coughs> sthanhu. Since it is all pervasive, not limited by space, therefore sthanhu, it is immovable. Or it is fixed. So sthanhu is It is that which is immobile. Sthanhu means a post. So like a post is immovable. And so also, because there is no place to go. If there is a thing is in one place and not in another place, that can move from one place to another. But then, since it is all pervasive, therefore there is no place where it is not. And therefore, there is no question of it going from one place to another. So, sthanhu, it is like a post, meaning it is immovable. And therefore, stiratvat achalaha. And therefore, it is achalaha. It is free from any motion at all. There cannot be motion in the self. There cannot be change in the self. So, there cannot be any vibrations. Kampanam. It cannot go from one place to another. Or, sometimes a thing does not go in one place. But still it can vibrate remaining in the same place. Even that kind of a change also cannot be in the self. Any kind of a change cannot be because it is all pervasive. It is not limited in time and place. Atah sanatanah chirantanah nakwa karanat kodaschit nishpanah abhinavah ityartah. Therefore, atma is sanatanah chirantanah. Ever the same. It is ever the same. That because it is not created from any reason. It is not created because of any cause. It is just there without any cause. If there is a reason why atma is, 
Then if that reason goes away, Atma will not be. If there is reason, reason why the self is what it is, then it is subject to change also if that reason changes. There is no reason why the self is limitless. Why is self limitless? Why is self there? Why is truth there? Some people ask. There is no why. If there is a reason for truth, then there must be a higher truth which is responsible for this truth. Truth is that which is self-existent, self-shining, self-supporting. That, that is why it is called truth. And that's why Atma is self-existent, ever the same. That's why they say, Nitya Nutana, ever fresh, ever the same. When we think that it is ever the same, somebody will feel that it is stale. No, it is ever fresh. And therefore, self is Sanatana, Chirantana, and Abhinavaha, Nakutachit Karana, Nishpanna, Abhinavaha, Ityartha. Not that it is created or new, it is ever the same. So, Nitya, beyond the limitation of time, Sarvagadaha, beyond the limitation of space, and therefore, Sthanahu, Achalaha, free from any motion. And it is immobile, meaning free from any motion, changes or disturbance, and therefore ever the same. That is how the self is. And thus in these verses, Lord Krishna unfolds the nature of the self. This is how a wise man knows the self to be. And by knowing the self, he becomes free from all sense of limitations, because limitations were only notional. Sense of limitation is only created out of ignorance. When that ignorance goes, the sense of limitation also goes, and that is what is called freedom. <coughs> Om Purnamadaf Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutau Vande Bhagavantau Punaf Punaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyomavadvyapta Dehaya Dakshinamurtaye namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo namaha Hari Om